Welcome back to another edition of Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden's Apprentice. Episode 8 now, we're flying through these things. Took the week off last week because of a, you know, I had some buys and I was in Texas for a little bit watching TCU almost beat Ohio State, which they should have. Their offense has turned the ball over 400 times in the third quarter. Uh, what a bad mix of time that was. Four minutes of hell for that team. And as a coach, you can sit there and just go, man, turning the ball over three times and in our own territory, giving up two touchdowns on offense. It's not going to win you a lot of ball games, but I digress as uh, the air show is flying over uh, San Diego. Uh, we had an interesting week last week. Surprisingly, for a week that had a lot of buys and a week that had a lot of teams not playing, not that big of matchups, it was pretty fiery. It was pretty fiery. What happened in that East Lake El Camino game was insane. Uh, do not contone any of the behavior that happened during that game. Uh, what an experience that I was not expecting to see in the East Lake El Camino game. And I'm sure most of you have seen the footage, and I know most of you know what's going on. Uh, I think officially five players have been suspended, and a coach has been suspended. And I think both coaches handled the situation the best that they could, and I think they did a pretty good job. Coach Hobbs did a tremendous job at El Camino to get his players off the field, say, you know, we're done, let's go to the locker room, let's figure this out. Hats off to Coach Hobbs and how he's handled that situation. Same with McFadden, trying to get as many of his players not to run on the field from the sideline as he could because that is the CIF rule. If there's a scuffle or a fight breaks out and you leave the sideline, you are suspended. I don't remember how many games it is. I'm pretty sure it's three because it's the maximum penalty, which is three games. Uh, but don't quote me on that. If you leave the sideline and there's a fight that breaks out before you left the sideline, you're suspended. The players that were already on the field, they're probably okay, especially if they didn't in, in uh, get involved in the incident. And there's some questions going around of whether or not that rule's fair. I mean, you, you're taught to defend your team. You're taught to defend your players as much as you can. So as a player, when that stuff happens, it's like you want to go defend your guy, but then you can't have everybody leave the sideline and get suspended and then have to forfeit a couple games. So it's a great learning opportunity for all of us, whether it be coaches, whether it be players, to know the situation, what's going on, and how do we prevent this from happening again. And coaches, please do not put your hands... On a player. It doesn't matter if the player is looks like a man. He's the size of a man. It doesn't matter. He is still a kid. We got to not try to break up a fight like that. The way that happened. Again, it's another learning experience for us. It's the heat of the moment. I understand that. Things happen. Uh, but I think we got to be better as a community in, in terms of, of how that went down. That's my take on, on that situation. I think both head coaches handled it well. Suspensions are probably appropriate. I don't know who exactly got suspended. I'm not going to release that information anyway. There's still minors for the most part, uh, a handful of players there. So let's not get into that. We do have a great show for you on hand today. We got four interviews. They're all great. They're all with great coaches. Um, it's going to be a great show. We have 
the mo the active most winningest coach in San Diego County will join us today, Coach Ron Hamamoto at Monta Vista. He has been around a long time, and everywhere he's been, he's either won a CIF championship or taken his team to a CIF championship. He turned Cathedral Catholic, when back when they were uni, into what they are today because that entire coaching staff played for him, and if they didn't play for him, they played for a guy that played for him or they coached with him. Everything coach, not everything, but the majority of what Coach Sean Doyle, the head coach, and what John Montali knows came from Coach Ron Hamamoto. And that program is tremendous right now. David Dunn took over for Hamamoto at Lincoln, and they're doing a great job. And when he was at Lincoln in 2010, uh, they were CIF runners-up. When he was at Rancho Bernardo, they were 2001 CIF runners-up. And then they won a, a CIF title last year against Monta, or, uh, for Monta Vista. So everywhere he goes, success follows him. We'll get into Coach Hamamoto and his coaching tree and, and how he developed as a coach, what he, what got him into coaching, just like we'll tell all the other coaches. The other coach we have, who's second on the list in active winning his coaches, is Rob Gilster. And we'll get an interesting perspective of how it is to take over a team at a brand new school and be the first head coach at a school. He started at Orange Glen. He was really good at Orange Glen. Valley Center opened up as a school. As a resident of Valley Center, he goes in there. He wants to coach for his community. And look at the program he's built up there at Valley Center. Not a lot of kids go to that school, and every year they're competing for CIF titles. If they're not winning them, they're not in them. They're in the conversation every year. And Coach Gilster will talk about his squad he has uh, this year as well. After that, we got two... um, Younger coaches, Ryan Price at University City is entering his fourth season. Uh, he's a really good interview. We'll get to that in, in a little bit. And Tyler Roach, who's actually a University City alumni, who now is the head coach at La Jolla. Two of the younger coaches that battle out in the same Eastern League. Uh, we'll talk to them as well. Uh, but like I said, it was a pretty good week last week. Um, if you look at uh, some of the polls, uh, they're pretty pretty consistent as as far as who is where. Uh, not a lot of change from last week. Uh, you know, the UT poll that we know about, Tory LCC, Cathedral, Helix, Eastlake, Madison, Saints, Lincoln, San Marcos, Mission Hills. And then you get to the uh, San Diego Prep Insider poll. Uh, it's it's pretty much the same with a couple switches. It's, uh, it's Tory Pines, LCC, Cathedral, Helix, uh, Eastlake, St. Augustine. Mission Hills, Madison, Carlsbad, and Lincoln. So instead, the only difference is the prep insider guys have. Uh, we have Carlsbad in ours, and the UT has Carlsbad just on the cusp. But for the majority of the time, it's pretty much the same teams. Uh, teams right outside of it, Steel Canyon is just outside the UT pool and the prep insider pool. So uh, that's pretty much the same. But again, you know, I'll I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it again. I have tweeted this out. I've said it multiple times. The polls do not matter. They just don't. I mean, it's fun. It's cute. I enjoy doing it. It's a perspective of people's opinions. But the only ones that matter are the ones that Cal Preps do. I've reiterated this multiple times. Uh, We've said it. Everyone knows it that votes in the polls. I mean, how I have my top 10 is different than how Cal Preps has their top 10. But that's the formula they use in order to determine the playoffs. So, uh, is Lincoln really the number eight team in the county? Who's to say? Is Torrey Pines really the number one team in the county? According to Cal Preps, they're not. 
Um, it, it's and it's it's a scuffle. You got teams like Helix are two and three. They're four in the county according to UT, and they're four in Cal Preps. So maybe you're onto something there. It's the comparisons. And the other thing is, there's just so many polls out there nowadays. Everybody has their own opinion of who they think is good and who they think is not. From a coaching perspective, I'm gonna take my media hat off. I'm gonna put my coach's hat on. Pay attention to the Cal Preps ones. That's the formula they use for Max Preps. That's the one that's most accurate. That's the one that updates the most. CalPreps.com. Giving a lot of plug to them, but that's the one that you need to pay attention to in terms of playoffs. Put the media hat on. You got to look at the Prep Insider poll because you know that's the one I vote for. I know what I'm talking about. I do really well in game picks. You know, I'm with Tumon Hole a little bit. Look at the the Prep Insider one uh, uh, for that. But if we're talking playoff seeds, if you want to know where you're going to get seeded, look at the Cal Preps ratings. That's what's going to determine who's getting the what seed, who's making the open, who's not making the open, who's getting, um, you know, what matchups uh, for the playoffs. And we got league play starting. And league play, I can't wait for league play. Avocados already started their league play, barely giving you a little tease, a little taste. Uh, but that league is going to be great to watch. I can't wait to watch the Western League. Uh, the Eastern League's great. Um, the Grossmont Leagues are going to be good. Down in the South Bay, uh, people are going to be able to eat. Our team's going to be able to knock off East Lake. Who knows? So many great league matchups we got coming for you this week. Um, but without further ado, let's get into our, our, our interviews. We're going to start off with Coach Rob Gilster of Valley Center. He's going to kick things off for us this week uh, as he talks about his team and talks about how he gets into coaching and starting a program from scratch at Valley Center. When we come back, Rob Gilster on Inside the Huddle podcast with Braden Suprenit, Southern California Prep Insider. Welcome back to the Inside the Huddle podcast with Braden Suprenit. I'm now joined by the head coach of the Valley Center Jaguars, Rob Gilster. He's in his 21st season as the Jaguars head coach. Coach Gilster, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Ah, thanks for uh, for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, let, let's get into it. Uh, you know, I've asked every coach this question that comes on. I, I want to learn about how you guys got into coaching and what made you guys, you know, become a coach when it came to, um, you know, decision time, maybe after college or maybe you learned in high school. But what was your path to coaching? Yeah, um... Probably the biggest influence was my high school coaches. Uh, I was a uh, athlete at Escondido High School and played football there. And uh, I guess, you know, just the, the coaches there had such an impact on not only my life, but all my friends' lives. And, uh, you know, in high school, you know, kids are just going through a lot of different stuff. You know, it's not every kid, you know, has a great home. Not every kid has great opportunities. But uh, the one thing that uh, happened for me, uh, you know, I, I had coaches that cared about me. So, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I, my life wasn't perfect. You know, I, I needed help. I needed guidance. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it was just the, the men that were at SEO High School at the time, you know, Coach Embry. Coach Snyder, Coach O'Connor, Coach Walker, uh, Coach Marino—just really good men that were uh, were there for me in a time when I needed it. And and you know, just by experiencing that as a player and then having the ability to pursue coaching as a career, I think probably that uh, experience, my high school experience, probably uh, guided my steps into coaching. Uh, that was probably the biggest influence. As far as head coaching goes, you started your head coaching uh, career at Orange Glen High School, stayed in the Escondido area back in 1989. 
You know, as a young uh, head coach, what were some of the challenges you faced early on at Orange Glen? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest challenge is, is just working with kids, you know, who are 16, 17, 18 years old. And like I said before, you know, just kids going through uh, just difficult times and having to make really difficult choices at the time. And uh, probably my biggest challenge when I was a young coach was uh, being fair with, with all of my players and being a, a good coach for every single one of my players. And, and really each player had a different need, had, had a, a different story. So it was just learning how to be a, a good coach to the whole team while still helping, you know, individuals uh, just reach their potential. You're the head coach at Orange Glen from 89 to 97. Uh, and then in the late 90s, the school called Valley Center opens up. You apply to be the head coach at Valley Center. What led you to be the to you know make the change and and go to a brand new school that you know nobody knew anything about? And how was it like starting a football program at a brand new school? Yeah, I think the biggest thing at Valley Center is I lived in Valley Center when I was uh, coaching at Orange Glen, and I actually we moved to Valley Center when I was in high school. So I always had a really. Uh, a desire to live in Valley Center and raise my uh, family in Valley Center. So for me, it was pretty easy. I loved Orange Glen. I loved the kids there. It was a great experience with the coaching staff. Uh, but I always knew that when Valley Center opened up a high school that I was going to apply for the job and, and hopefully uh, be able to get that job and open up the school. And, uh, you know, when I got the job, it was, it was exciting. Uh, it was hard because we were a very small school in North County and, at the time, I think when we opened up the school, we were around 900 kids and we were competing against schools with 2,500 to 3,000 kids. So it was a challenge just to kind of get a program off the ground, not only being a new school, but being a very small school in a, uh, in a part of the county that was known for their good football in, in bigger schools. There is a brand new school in terms of football this year in San Diego County. It's called O'Farrell Charter, uh, and they're starting out. You know, they're kind of struggling. What would your advice be? You know, to any any coach that's starting with a brand new football team, since you you know experienced that yourself. Yeah, I, um, I, I think the biggest thing is you got to have you know your your mission of what what you want to accomplish as a coach and as a program, and then you just need to just stay true to that, that mission and just every day just work to get better. Um, it's always hard when you're first starting out because you're starting out new traditions, you're starting out with new systems, and uh, all that takes a while to kind of take hold. So you got to be uh, kind of determined and focused and just patient and stay true to what you believe in. You were successful at Orange Glen. You went 63-43-3. At Valley Center, you know, you've won over 100 games uh, at Valley Center. Very successful career as a head coach. As you look back, I mean, you're now currently, according to Parlotton Sports, you're the second active winningest coach in San Diego. And what you built Valley Center into, and I know you're focused week by week, you know, you got to get the task at hand. Do you ever look back, take a step back and go, you know what, what we did here is pretty impressive? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do think that you, you really don't have a lot of time to look back. Cause like you just said, you're always pressing forward to the next game, but yeah, Valley center has just been, it's been a great opportunity and we've had just really great support here in our community for the game of football. 
We've had support from our, you know, our school administration, uh, just the, the community as a whole. Have, they've really embraced our, our football program. And then just all the coaches that have uh, given their, their time and their energy. And then the players, uh, you know, we've just been really blessed with really good kids and good families in Valley Center. So, you know, I do look back occasionally and I, and I just think about how blessed we've been to have this opportunity and have this, uh, you know, these last 20, 21 years uh, in this really cool community. Uh, we've been able to produce a, a really good football program. Before we get into the 2018 Valley Center Jaguars, real quick, give us, for people that haven't made the trek up the mountain to go watch a Valley Center game, what is the best part about Fridays in the fall in Valley Center? Yeah, I, we have a really unique location for Valley Center High School. When you drive up to our school, um, about two miles away, you can see the stadium lights. And we're kind of out in the country. I, we have homes around us, but they're pretty sparse. So the, I, I would probably say the coolest thing is just the location of our school. It's in a beautiful spot that kind of sits uh, right on a plateau and it looks out at Palomar Mountain. And it's, you know, we don't have a lot of groves around anymore because of the shortage of water. But there's a lot of agriculture and a lot of farm animals and that type of thing. And uh you know, just coming up to our school and just knowing that it sits kind of out by itself, uh, it, it's it's kind of a, a really neat place to to play the game of football. It's it's a great place to be. I you know I've I've spent time a couple times up there uh, watching football at Valley Center, and it's a great it's one of the top uh, scenic views of any stadium in San Diego. But let's talk about your team this year. You got senior quarterback Ricky Mazzetti. You got a senior running back in Mateo that's that's lighting it up. What can you say about you know these two players and some other players that are big impact guys for the Jaguars this year? Yeah, you know the neat thing about this group is we have about five of our players that started for us as sophomores and uh, Mazzetti, Sonoy, uh, Ed Hill, Sid Weddington, Ben Wyringa. Uh, those guys have all been, the, the, they will have been three-year starters. So uh, it's kind of a unique group. You know, it's like we've been around each other so much, you know, hopefully they're not getting sick of me because, you know, I'm not getting sick of them, but it's just really cool to have the experience of, of those players, uh, and then be able to to have have a year where we're really kind of challenging ourselves. We you know we played Otai this year. We played Ranch Bernardo. We'll play La Costa Canyon and Ramona got added to our schedule. So we're really excited uh, that we've been able you know even as a small school we're still a small school and that we're able to compete at the highest level you know this year and it's a, it's uh, you know a tribute to those guys and the work that they've done, you know, having KJ leading us as a quarterback, you know, having Ed Hill, you know, lead us on the old line and Mateo Sonoy just running really hard. And he's worked so hard to uh, improve his speed. He's done a great job. And defensively, you know, uh, Sid uh, Weddington and Ben Wyringa at linebacker, just the, their leadership. Uh, it, it's been a great year. It's been challenging because, the competition's been pretty stiff this year, but it's been really fun for us uh, as a smaller school to step up and take on some of the some of the bigger schools and the better schools in the county. Let's talk about your game on Friday. You got Fallbrook coming up. They're kind of struggling, but it's a league game, so you know you know Fallbrook's going to be ready to play. What are some couple things that you noticed on film that they do a good job of? Yeah, you know Fallbrook is just uh, they're one of those schools that have been it's been going through tra a transition. 
over the years. Uh, they've always been known to have uh, good football teams. And, uh, you know, they have good players. And the, the thing about them is, you know, you just don't want them to have that breakout game against you because you know it's going to happen eventually for them. Uh, you know, they do a good job. They have a really good quarterback who, who uh, gets the ball out and they run some RPOs. So, you know, that, that presents a little bit of a problem for us. You know, just anybody if they're, when they're good at it. And then uh, defensively, you know, they, they play solid defense and, uh, you know, they play some man-to-man and they, they stack the box on you a little bit. So they give you some challenges there. So, you know, it's like anything else, you know, in high school football, I mean, you got to be ready to play on Friday night. So it doesn't matter who you're playing. For us, it's not so much who we're playing. It's, it's how we're playing our game. So we try and focus, whoever we're playing, we try and focus more on ourselves, knowing we have to compete against an opponent but we're more interested in playing our very best just because that's what we want to require of ourselves. You brought up your non-league schedule. It's difficult with Rancho Bernardo, who is uh, is playing above expectations this year. you got La Costa Canyon coming up. Uh, those two teams are no slouches. But, you know, your league got better when they added Ramona. What are some of the challenges you expect coming with the next couple weeks here when it comes to league play? Yeah, no, we were excited when Ramona came into our league. You know, because the way the max prep, systems are you've got to play good people otherwise you're not going to get uh ranked high enough to you know to get uh, a high playoff seed so we really welcomed uh, the challenge of Ramona and and they are good you know so that's exciting and Santa Squaw is always good Escondido always gives us fits so our our league you know coming down the stretch here you know we're going to be tested every week and then you know you throw La Casa Canyon in here you know in, in the mix here in a couple of weeks you know, and that's the biggest challenge that we'll face this year. They're obviously ranked, you know, one or two in the in the polls. So, yeah, it, it's kind of fun because this year we have a group that I think can step up to all those challenges. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how we do, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. League play starts on Friday. Coach Gilster, good luck against Fallbrook and the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it. Welcome back to Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Sopranit. I'm now joined by the most active winningest coach in San Diego right now, Coach Ron Hamamoto of Monta Vista. Coach Hamamoto, how are you doing today? Good. So I, I said you're the most active winningest coach. You've been coaching uh, for a long time now. You're in your seventh season at Monta Vista. How did you get into coaching? What made you be a football coach? And uh, you know, ultimately, why did you want to be uh, you know, what you are today? Well, that's a good question. That was a long time ago. You know, I went to Fresno State. I was a physical education major. Um, I knew I wanted to go into some kind of athletic field because of, you know, played sports when I was young. And, you know, it was just a natural thing to do, I guess, after you graduate from high school. And and I got a credential, teaching credential, started off in Long Beach Unified as a uh, JV basketball and JV football coach and taught business. And then all of a sudden I find myself at Servite High School, a private school in Orange County as an offensive coordinator. And from there I got the head job at uh, Uni High, which is now Cathedral, and and been here in San Diego ever since. Let's talk about your days at Uni High uh, when you took over uh, uni, they they weren't necessarily the greatest uh, football programs back in the day, and you know a lot of people uh, 
forget how bad uni was um, in the early uh, you know 80s and such. So you get to uni, you turn the program around, you you take it to a 1994 CIF championship. What can you say about your times that you spent at uh, at uni and and how you're in their uh, Cathedral Catholic Hall of Fame? It was a great time. Um, I was, I believe, around 26 years old when I took the head coaching job at at uni, and they had not been to the playoffs. I want to say like eight, nine, or ten years. And so that first year, we ended up getting hot at the end of the season, won our last two, and took second place. And in those days, it was only 3A, 2A. There were only two divisions in San Diego. So you had to take first or second place in your league to go to the playoffs. And we ended up taking second place, and we went to the playoffs. And from there, the program just got on a roll. I think we were in the playoffs, I want to say, nine out of my 11 years there or 10 out of my 11 years there. I mean, it was, it was a pretty good run. And, you know, when you're that young and you have a lot of young coaches, you know, with you, it was, it was a great time. It was, you know, we talked football, we, you know, uh, socialized together. We, we did a lot of things together. It was a great time and still have a lot of good friends from, from that era. You move on to Rancho Bernardo High School, and pretty much the same thing. You kind of turn that program around overall. You go 72-49-3. In 2001, you're a CIF uh, runner-up. How was your time spent at Rancho Bernardo, and what led you to, you know, make a a change in scenery? Well, at that time, you know, um, the Catholic school teachers did not make as much as public school teachers, and the benefits weren't as great either. So I made a financial decision that just kind of worked out for me. Uh, Ranch Bernardo was a great time too. I mean, I still have a lot of close friends that are coaches that I coach with at Ranch Bernardo. But at that time, it was a situation where, you know, I I was at the age where I wasn't really thinking about retirement, but I was thinking that you know, uh, the Catholic schools, they don't, they just don't pay that much, and the benefits just aren't that great. So I made the move when I had the opportunity to go to the Poway Unified School District. And I was there at Ranch Bernardo for 11 years. So, again, that was a great decision. You know, I didn't know it at the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I uh, really enjoyed my time both at uh, Uni High and Ranch Bernardo High School. And, you know, it was it was a good decision for me looking back on it now. Before you got to Monta Vista, you coached at Lincoln. You're around the same time that Lincoln was reopening their school into a brand new school. You take those guys to a CIF championship. They lose to a Cathedral Catholic in the in the final to um, you know one of your uh, you know proteges in Sean Doyle. What can you say about Lincoln real quick before we get into your uh, your Monta Vista days? Well, it was a good time too. I mean, I don't regret any thing that I did or any place I've been at um, always was very fortunate to have worked with some great people and kids, you know, that have been great kids, you know, as far as players and, and just great people. Uh, my time, my four years in Lincoln was a great time too. We had just opened Lincoln in 07. Uh, they had closed down the uh, school for four years, I believe, you know, to, they just completely tore it down and uh, rebuilt it. I think about $150 million they put into it, San Diego Unified. And it, it was a really good time. I mean, we, uh, you know, started off, you know, with a bunch of transfers, you know, that first year. And I think trying to get everybody cleared through CIF was, was a real pain. And 
I think, you know, for the first four or five games, I only had half my team. I think we only dressed out about 20 kids. But, you know, by the end of the year and, you know, the second year and third year and fourth year, uh, I thought we had it rolling there for a while. And and uh, we were a very competitive team. So, um, you know, I had, a, I had a good time there, too. Coached some really good players here, too. You won a CIF championship in 1994 with with Uni. You you were CIF runners up in 2001 with Rancho Bernardo, a 2010 CIF runner up with Lincoln, and a 2017 uh, CIF champion with Monta Vista. Everywhere you go, you're you're making it to CIF championships. As coaches, we want to know what is what is your secret behind uh, the success. There really is no secret. Uh... I guess, you know, if there's a secret, it's just that I get up every morning and I do the same old grind every day. Uh, I think it's more consistency than a secret. It's not that, you know, that I'm doing anything special. Um, You know, we try to, you know, just provide something for the kids. uh, You know, they have someplace to go to every day. And, you know, whether it's opening the weight room early in the morning, you know, for first period or here at Monte Vista or, providing, you know, the kids a place to go at lunch when we watch films and they can eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or or whatever. You know, it's just, I think it's the consistency of, you know, going to work every day and providing a program more than some kind of secret. You pass a lot of programs on to uh, very successful head coaches in their own. You know, you pass the Cathedral's program off to Sean Doyle, who's been running it ever since. You pass it on to David Dunn. What With your coaching tree, with all the people that have learned underneath you, do you ever sit back and, and kind of enjoy? It's like, hey, you know what? I've helped a lot of other coaches on their way as much as I've helped players along their way. Sure. And, you know, at Ranch Bernardo, you know, Brad Alrod took over for me, and that's that's a great person too. So when you look at, you know, those three names that, you know, you just mentioned, you know, plus all the other people that uh, coached for me or played for me and then went on and did great things. I mean, you know, you didn't mention John Montali who played for me and coached for me and, and, you know, is now the defensive coordinator at Cathedral or Mike Hastings, Matt White. I mean, there there are a lot of great people that, you know, have coached and played for me. And, and you know, there's just too many for me to mention everybody's name. But, you know, um, I think more than anything, what I'm proud of is that, you know, not their success in coaching or high school football or anything like that, but their success just as people. I mean, they're great people. They're They're still good friends of mine. I mean, they're there are are people that you'd want to hang around with and you'd want, you know, to be um, fathers and, and, you know, people that you're related to and et cetera. And I guess that's what I'm more proud of than anything. Well, I was able to, to play for Coach Montali over at Cathedral Catholic and, and the stories that he tells about uh, you and his playing days, uh, playing for you and, and coaching with you is, uh, is uh, second to none. Um, over at that school, Cathedral um, loves you over there. I'm sure as so many other schools do. But let's talk about your Monta Vista Monarchs this year. You guys are off to a four and one start. Um, you guys won the CIF championship last year. You got a stud player in Jamon McClendon. Uh, before we start talking about all the players on the team, let's focus on uh, McClendon real quick. What can you say about the player he is, and how high is his ceiling? Well. That's a good question because, you know, we're still in the middle of our season and, you know, I don't, I don't want to jinx him or anything. I mean, he, 
he's definitely very good. I mean, anytime you get offered by San Diego State, then in the middle of the season, you turn down San Diego State and you accept a scholarship from UCLA. You're, you're, you know, you're you're very talented. There's no doubt about that. And uh, he's a runner that a lot of people compare him to Eric Dickerson. You know, the old days. I mean, he's he's a tall kid, has long strides. He's powerful, but yet he can run away from you too. So. Um, all I can say is when when you got players like that, and we also got another kid, Blake Schmidt, who uh, accepted a scholarship from Montana State, our defensive lineman, tight end. And when when you got two, you know, Division One guys, uh, makes me look good as a coach. You know, so you know, <laughs> coaching. I tell people all the time, it's all about players. You know, you know, if if you're losing, you know, we're pro- as coaches, we're probably doing the same thing, but. We just don't quite have the talent. But if you're winning, you know, you're probably doing the same thing as coaches, but you've, you've got some pretty good kids. And, and we're very fortunate here that, you know, we've got not only the two kids that I just mentioned, but our whole senior class. And, you know, if you look at our program, I want to say maybe four years ago, we did not have a JV team. We didn't have enough kids to come out. But, you know, and so – the, the advantage of that, though, is we got to play a lot of young kids. We, I think the last two years we started five sophomores, you know, last year and then five sophomores the year before. So now we're, you know, playing a bunch of juniors and seniors with a lot of varsity experience. So, and again, I think it goes back to what I, you know, said earlier in, in the show was that, you know, just a consistency, you know, just getting up every day and grinding and having an off-season program where the kids can lift and, and, and work out, you know, and, and get ready for the season. I, I think that's the, the key to any successful program is just you do the same things, you know, off season to in season, and you just keep grinding it out. This Friday you host Chula Vista. I know you've watched tape on them. What what are some things that Chula Vista does that are some good things that they do that you uh, are going to have to be aware of for Friday night? Well, they run a similar offense to us. They line up in the eye and they try to pound you. And they're, they're very similar to Stanford. And then, you know, when they get in the third long situation, they'll go to the spread offense. And, you know, so as a defense, you have to be prepared for both, a, you know, kind of a pound and ground kind of game and then the spread too. So that makes it difficult, you know. Uh, but but at the same time, you know, they – also almost knocked us off in the quarterfinals last year in the uh, playoffs. You know, we beat them in overtime, and you think, you know, a couple plays here or there, and we don't even win the CF championship. We're not even in the semifinals or the finals. So they've got a really good program. It'll be a really good test for us. This is our last preseason game before our league starts. So uh, we're looking forward to it. Last thing before I let you go, what does Monta Vista have to do, whether it be as you guys as a staff or as the players, to repeat as champions this year? That's a long ways away. You know, uh, we have to stay healthy. You know, I think we're like any Division three, four, five school, you know, when we don't have a whole lot of numbers. You know, we got a lot of kids going both ways, so a couple injuries here or there, and we could have a different season. You know, um, I you know I preach to the kids all the time that we got to stay healthy both – sickness you know and fighting the flu and and injury wise you know and taking care of each other in practice and not getting banged up before friday and there's a lot of things that go into 
getting to the playoffs and being successful in the playoffs. And, but I think our key is just staying healthy because we only have about 30 kids that we dress out for varsity. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, you know, watch the honor ball when cathedral played, uh, Gardena Sarah. And I think for the national anthem, I was noticing when cathedral lined up for the national anthem, they had kids from the 30 yard line to the 30 yard line. You know, I think I counted about 70 something kids out there and we we're we're not at that luxury. You know, we're, we line up from about the, you know, 45 to the 45 and, you know, we just, we just need to keep kids healthy, you know, because if we get a couple injuries here or there, we not only lose one player, we lose, you know, a player that's playing offense, defense, and special teams, and, and that could be damaging. Coach Hamamoto of Monta Vista, big game against Chula Vista on Friday. Coach Hamamoto, thank you for your time, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Welcome back to Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Soprenit. I'm now joined by the head coach of the University City Centurions, Coach Ryan Price. They're 4-1, off to a great start in his fourth season. Coach Price, how are you doing tonight? Good, thanks for having me. So, Coach Price, you know, the, the one thing that I like asking all the coaches is how they got into coaching, their coaching background, you know, the steps that they took to get to where they are today. And to kind of let the coaching community know a little bit more about you that, you know, most people um, – wouldn't ordinarily know. So how did how did you come about uh, getting into coaching? What was your deciding factor? What motivated you? And how did you become the coach you are today? Yeah, for me, um, my background, I grew up in Northern California. I played high school ball in Colorado. And um, after, you know, going through my playing career and um, it not working out for me due to a, a serious injury, um, I ended up joining the military and actually served four and a half years in the Navy. Um, and coming out of the Navy, I really wanted to work with young people and help mold and guide them and help mentor them and use my experience to never take a day for granted when it comes to football because of how much I loved the game and how passionate I was about it and how much I felt like I had to give in addition to just wanting to give back and, and help mold young people and point them in the right direction. And that's kind of how I started. You know, that was kind of my drive to start coaching. Uh, I feel like my military background also just helped me in terms of discipline and, and trying to instill the right character traits and, and young men that, and, and women that I'm working with. And so um, I was fortunate enough to work with a couple of programs when I was starting out. And then in uh, 2013, I came on board after the 2013 season, I came on board at UC as an assistant, as a defensive uh, line coach, tight ends coach, and the assistant defensive coordinator. And was that for two years until I eventually um, became the head coach at University City in 2015 and I've been there now for four years as a head coach six years total let's talk about your your transition from an assistant coach to a head coach because as an assistant coach you know one day it'd be great to be a head coach but I know a lot of assistant coaches you know that don't want to do that jump they they're fine being an assistant coach why did you want to become a head coach and how quick did you jump on that opportunity when it presented itself yeah, I mean, for me, it was I, I really loved being an assistant coach and being in the trenches, and I, I was a pretty fiery assistant coach. Um, the one thing, you know, becoming a head coach, you definitely have to be more even-keeled, less quick to react. You have to be able to interface with more people and listen to all sides, and you kind of have to be a little diplomatic when it comes to handling things. And 
I feel like that's a, a character trait that I have. And I felt like I, I really wanted to try to lead and, and mold people as a whole um, from being an assistant coach to a head coach. I enjoy doing the administrative part and, and the planning and all the preparation that's required. And um, I just really felt like, you know, leading from the front was an opportunity that I was excited about. And so when I got the opportunity to, you know, compete for the job, um, I pursued it because I just felt like that was something that I felt like I could, I could give even more to the, the game and the program. When I was in high school, University City wasn't necessarily a, a top program. And, and now the way it is, that used to be a homecoming game for a lot of schools. And you have now turned it into a, a team that people are afraid of and people need to be concerned about. I mean, you haven't had a losing season since you took over. What has been a key to the success of, of growing this program and slowly uh, getting UC to where they are today and, and even beyond? It's ironic you say that because so far, you know, we, Mar Vista scheduled us for homecoming and we're Point Loma's homecoming and we're going to be <laughs> Mira Mesa's homecoming. So uh, I don't know if people are necessarily afraid of us, but um, I, we're definitely more competitive at this point And we're trying to just the one thing I'm really trying to improve overall year after year is just the consistency. I just want to have a consistent upward trend in some manner. You're not going to get it done every year and go all the way, but as long as we're trending upwards and improving consistently in some manner, that's really what I've been striving for and, and changing the culture and, and trying to make it more of a football school and get everyone in the community and the school to really embrace the program. And we've got, we've done a lot to, you know, try to build the program up and give the kids the all the tools they need to be successful. And we care about the uniforms because we know the kids care about that stuff. So we invest, we invest in that and try to make it fun for them and enjoyable for them. So there's definitely a lot of excitement and we're just trying to build this family atmosphere where we're just consistently improving. Hey, my, uh, my junior year, we ended up winning a CIF championship and we were six teams uh, homecomings that year. Maybe it's just kind of a coincidence thing. They don't even uh, plan for anymore, but you guys are a two time uh, semifinalist while you're there. Uh, out of the four years, which is very impressive. Anytime you play after Thanksgiving, uh, it's it's a good feeling. But what is going to be for you guys? What is that next step? And what do you guys have to do to get to that CIF championship game? Yeah, for us, really, it's um, like you said. We've been we've we've been we've been the bridesmaid. We haven't been the bride yet, right? So for us, we're trying to get over that hurdle. And I I do a lot of the self evaluation and and for the myself and the program and trying to see. What, are, what do we really need to do to try to get us over that hump? And um, we brought in a new offensive coordinator this year, Tate Forcier, who played at Michigan um, under Coach Rich Rodriguez. And he's been good. And helped. we already had a very successful offense. And, and he's been good in, trying to, in revitalizing that a little bit and bringing more to our game and making us a little bit more dynamic, uh, which has helped us. Um, again, consistent play down the road throughout the playoffs, I think, is going to help us. Um, we got moved up to a division to division three this year, and we got moved up into the Eastern league. So we're competing at a higher level this year, which is um, something I, 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 myself and my staff and the kids we've, we've embraced. Um, but for us, we're just really, we're, we feel like we're going to be battle tested um, after going through our league play in this point Loma game uh, going into the playoffs. And we hope that really sets us on the right path for a solid playoff run. Right, you guys got a, you, you had a nice schedule with, you know, Monta Vista is, is tough, and, you know, you get to play Point Loma in the cross league. Let's talk about Monta Vista for a second. And you guys, you know, they knocked you out of the playoffs last year. Did you guys schedule that game after after the fact, or was it just happened to be, um, you know, on the schedule 
before that you ended up playing them twice last year. Yeah, so we, we went into a two-year contract with them. We played in week two last year, and we won. Um, it was another close game, and then we lost them in the semifinals in another close game. And so it was just, this was the second year of the rotating contract, um, playing them week two. Um, you know, their guy, number 24, he's a, guy, he's a hard guy to prepare for week two. He's a, he's a tough running back, and, and Coach Ron Hamamoto does a great job over there. And they're, they're a very legitimate contender for Division three, and, you know, who knows, we might see them again in the playoffs as we did last year, but, you know, they're, they're a very solid team. How important is it for you guys to schedule tough, to, to be battle-tested uh, as you enter league play? Yeah, I mean, for this, for this year going into league play, we, we really wanted to get the ball rolling and get all the kinks worked out um, before and going into this cross league and league play. And so I feel like, you know, we had a couple of those games um, were, were heavily in our favor, but the Monta Vista game showed us a lot of things that we needed to improve right away. And, you know, the greatest change and improvement usually comes from losses. At least I like to think so, if you're going to find the silver lining. And we definitely improved a lot from that game in the next two weeks. Um, and again, just, my number one thing right now is just trying to be more consistent from week to week to week. Our offenses showed up in some games and the key for our offenses this week is to be able to show up in a big game against tough competition. You got bumped up to the, the Eastern league. Like you said, it's a pretty tough league. Um, but that means you got to play the Western league in a cross league game. Let's talk about the, your opponent this Friday. You got point Loma. They're three and two on the year. But if you look at the film, they're not. They they have the the chances of being potentially undefeated this season. Uh, I know you've noticed some stuff on film. What are some things the pointers do uh, well that you're going to be prepared for on Friday? Uh, they're really on defense. They're very aggressive. They run a very aggressive scheme. Um, they have the athletes to go sideline to sideline to make plays on defense. Offensively, obviously, they have you know number three, JL Skinner. He's he's a weapon for them. Um, their running back, sophomore running back, is very solid as well. Uh, their O-line is big and physical up front, and they're, they're well-coached overall. Uh, Coach Hastings does a great job. So it's going to be, definitely be a test for us um, to see really where we're at, and we're hoping our guys are up to the challenge. Let's get to your league, play, or your league Morse. You see La Jolla, uh, Mira Mesa, uh, and Christian. That's a tough league for you guys and a tough league for pretty much anybody. What are some of the challenges you're expecting to face as, as we begin league play here in the, in the next week or two? Yeah, Mira Mesa is obviously going to be very tough. Coach Thompson's doing a good job over there, and, and that's going to be a, very, a tough game for us. And, you know, uh, Morris always has great athletes, and um, Coach McNair does a good job over there. And, uh, you know, our, our little friendly rivalry we have with La Jolla and Coach Roach, you know, that's always going to be a – a fun, tight game because the kids get fired up for that one on both sides. And then everyone's seeing what Christian's doing this year and the way they're running the ball and the way they play defense. And they're looking like another tough Division three contender and, and playing them going into the playoffs is, again, going to give us a good, you know, kind of standpoint of where we're at going into the playoffs and it's going to be another good test for us. So, um, again, being battle-tested going in, hopefully will pay off for us and, you know, hopefully be able to make a run from there. Enough talking about your competition. Let's talk about the UC Centurions. You guys got a great quarterback that's getting recognized. You got a lot of athletes and a lot of good players at UC. Talk to us about some of the kids you have. Yeah, obviously, our, you know, our guy, Casey Granfers, he's been a varsity starter since he was a freshman. Um, plays that can play everywhere on the field. We have him at wide receiver. Um, he plays some quarterback run game stuff. He can throw the ball, too. He plays safety, outside linebacker. He's kind of a do-it-all athlete. Um, 
he's a stud and, and, you know, he's, we're going to go as far as he kind of takes us. Um, we, you mentioned our quarterback, our junior quarterback, Gunnar Gray, uh, doing a great job, improved a lot. Um, Coach Tate has done a great job working with him and getting him, you know, improved from last year. And he's, he's really hungry at, uh, for this week and going forward in league play. And so we're expecting big things out of him. We got to work hard at running back and Ilani Rico, who he's kind of our, our single guy this year at running back that's really carrying the team at running back. And uh, he's running hard and, you know, we're, we're trying to do a great job up front. We got a, a couple seniors anchoring our offensive line. Eric Torres is our guy that plays on both sides of the ball for us on the offensive line and defensive line. And he's kind of the senior anchor on both sides. Uh, as you know, with numbers, you got, got a lot of guys that play two ways nowadays. So uh, I also got a kid, Journey Smith. He's our, our 6'2 uh, wide receiver and cornerback. He's been having a great season on both sides of the ball. And we have a lot of depth at receiver. We have another great receiver, Tariq Jefferson. And um, so we're, the receiver position, we're pretty deep. Um, and so that's, that's a good thing to have when you're a spread team. Obviously, it helps you be more dynamic and move people around in space. And so uh, we just hope to, you know, continue to get these guys the ball, let them work and make plays. Real quick, before I let you go, what does UC have to do as a whole, as a team, whether it be your staff or your players, in order to win league this year? Just be consistent from week to week. Um, that, that's really what it is. I mean, we have the talent. We have the tools. My staff does a heck of a job. They work their tails off from week to week and getting these kids prepared. And and if the kids can execute and work hard and, and take it to the ultimate, the utmost that they can every week, we'll, we'll be in a good position to compete every week. But the biggest thing is just one game at a time. We, we've gotten wrapped up in the bigger picture a couple times, and this year we're really just trying to take it one game at a time. I think if we do that, we have a good chance of competing every week. Coach Ryan Price, the head coach of University City, they're off to a 4-1 and start. They'll take that one step at a time on Friday night at Point Loma as they take on the Pointers, who are 3-2. and Coach, thanks again for joining me, and good luck the rest of the season. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Welcome back to Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Soprenit. I'm now joined by the head coach of La Jolla Vikings, Coach Tyler Roach, joining me today. How you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me on the uh, on the podcast. Looking forward to it. Thanks for joining me today. Like I said again, and let's get into uh, your coaching background and how you decided to become a coach. I ask every coach this. You know, was it a moment in your life where you're like, you know what, I just want to be a coach? What clicked for you, and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. Um, you know, I, I would say for me, and probably like most of the guys you've you've asked that question to, grew up playing the game of football uh, at the youth level, high school level, and uh, and played in college as well at Azusa Pacific University. Um, you know, once once the playing career ended, had to hang up the cleats. Um, was finishing up school, had a semester left, and that was really when it kind of dawned on me, like, man, I missed the game. I got to stay involved in this. It, you know, coaches had poured so much into me over the years, had taken so many, you know, life lessons from the game of football. Um, and so that's what kind of sparked. I said, man, I need to get, get into coaching. Um, I graduated, came back down to San Diego and went back to my old high school, uh, asked the head coach, said, Hey, I, I need to uh, get on the field, get a whistle. And so he threw me into the fire, right? Uh, I coached the freshman team that year. We had a blast. Um, and then immediately that next year, made the jump up to varsity as the offensive coordinator, um, and then had been kind of rolling 
sense. I went to University City High School, so that's where I started the coaching career and kind of bounced around a couple different schools since then, and then obviously just landed uh, my first head coaching job at La Jolla High, um, you know, a year ago, and loving every minute of it. Um, and then, you know, really the, the why, there was never really one big moment. It was more of, um, you know, just coaches pouring so much into me and just felt that I had to give something back to to what the game gave me and the impact that I could have, you know, totally outside of the, the Friday night lights, but, but just for the life lessons that I'm teaching these guys that they can carry on, you know, for their, for their life. Started as an assistant coach at University City, like you just said. What for you? Because I know a lot of I'm, I'm an assistant coach as my as um, you know myself. What moment for you where you're like, you know what? I want to keep moving up the ladder and I want to be a head coach. And when that opportunity presented itself, how quick were you to jump on that La Jolla uh, head coaching job? Yeah, no. So I mean, I, I like again, like most guys, I would say it, you kind of keep going at it as an assistant. Um, for me, I just kept wanting more and keep t- willing to t- t- take on more. Obviously, I kind of got presented a coordinator job really early in my career. Really, I would say it was premature um, and, and kind of had to get thrown to the fire and, and figure it out as you go kind of thing. Um, but just kept, you know, kept wanting to take on more, learn more about all the ins and outs. You know, it's, it's kind of easy to go call a game on Friday night, but um, it's all the other stuff that goes into it, obviously, now as a head coach. Um, that I've learned, but each year I kind of try to take on something different and ask the head coach, Hey, what can I help with? Whether it's the game planning or the academic advising, um, helping with fundraising, all, all the different aspects that go into being a head coach. Um, and really knowing that at a certain point I wanted to run my own program, um, you know, kind of have my touch on things. Um, when the job presented itself u- uniquely at La Jolla. So I was actually an assistant coach for three years there as the offensive coordinator um, the program had kind of had a coaching change at the time, and I applied for the job. Um, that year was in the final running for the for the opening. Um, they ended up going a different direction, just kind of, you know, wanted to get a teacher on staff. Um, I'm an off-campus guy, so uh, that, and just kind of a new fresh start, being that I was from the previous regime. Um, so I left for a year, went over to La Jolla Country Day, and that was probably one of the more influential years of my coaching career. We, uh, we had a heck of a coaching staff, got to learn from some great men, um, had a great team, you know, made a deep run in the state playoffs, won a CIF title, um, and really just took a ton from that. Um, the, the irony in the whole thing is that the La Jolla job then opened right back up after a year um, with Coach Morrison leaving for his alma mater, Francis Parker, and I got the phone call um, wanting, you know, that they wanted to offer me the job and bring me over. Um, you know, and it, it was tough because I was in a good situation at Country Day. Love that school, love the program, uh, but really, that I knew that that was my opportunity, and La Jolla was where I wanted to be, and and really uh, build a program. So that's what kind of led me to there, and and kind of jumped on the opportunity when it resurfaced. There's a lot of coaches, especially in in high school, that. You know, they go, they, they go graduate, they have your story, well, they want to come back and coach, so they go coach at their alma mater, um, but a lot of them stay. I coach at my alma mater, and I enjoy it, and I can never envision myself ever going against my school, but when you made that transition from University City to um, your next destination, how was the change of culture for you? Was it big? And then when you finally took on, because I know you play them now, but when you finally played UC for the first time, how was that experience for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it was. So what actually ended up happening, so I was at UC for two years. Um, I actually took a year off from coaching 
um, had some health stuff. I was battling cancer at the time. Um, got that squared away. You know, I took a step back from coaching with, with just life getting crazy, um, but obviously missed it. And as soon as I got healthy and got cleared, you know, I said, I got to get back into it. A coach that I had coached with at UC at the time had actually left and went over to Scripps Ranch. And so as I was kind of getting my foot back in the door and started getting some feelers out, if I wanted to stay at UC or look elsewhere, he was the one that really recruited me hard over to Scripps Ranch, said, man, you got to come over here. We got a good thing going. We could use your help. Um, and so I went there and coached under uh, Joe Meyer for a year. Um, and, you know, it was, a, it was a good year. It was a tough year for us. We played, man, probably one of the toughest schedules in the county that year. We played like four teams that won CIF titles. Um, was a learning experience to say the least. Um, you know, so it was a good experience. And then from there, that's actually where I left. I left there after a year and, and went to La Jolla as an assistant when uh, when Coach Carter took over a new kind of fresh program. And I knew I could have some opportunity to grow, um, you know, as a coach. So I took that on. It, it's been um, it's been fun playing UC and going back there. I'll tell you, the stadium sure doesn't look like it did when I played there. We didn't even have lights. So it was a, a grass slash mud field, um, you know, later in the year, no lights. So we played all day games other than my, actually my senior year in high school was the first night game ever UC's history. We rented lights um, and we played Crawford high school for a homecoming. I'll never forget it. Back when Crawford, I think was nine and one that year went to the, uh, the semifinals or CI finals. Um, so it's been, it's been fun going back, seeing what coach price has done with the program. Um, obviously they're, they're humming at a high pace right now. Um, you know, but it's always, it's always fun and entertaining when you go play your old, your old school and uh, all the memories there. Um, so we're excited. And obviously we have them coming up. They beat us last year in a tough one for the league title. Um, I play, played them as an assistant years prior and it beat them. Um, so obviously I'm looking forward to getting back on the field uh, for them here in a couple weeks. I was I was about to ask you how that uh, rivalry with UC is because uh, Coach Price was just on with me uh, moments ago talking about the nice little rivalry you guys have uh, you developed with La Jolla and University City. But I'll yep. skip that. You just you just touched yep. on it, which is great. But no, it's um, a good one. It is. I'm excited for it. It's fun. Um, and I, you know, I haven't been able to go against. Maybe one day I'll be able to go go against my alma mater. We'll see if uh, you know I just weren't gunning gunning to beat them. But I know from other coaches <laughs> that I've talked to before, they uh, they all try to beat their alma mater as much as they can. Um, let, let's talk about let's talk about your team, La Jolla Vikings. Um, you're two and three so far. What what can you say about some of the players you have on this team um, that are impact guys? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're. You know, it's it's been uh, it's been a wild season so far, to say the least. Um, we've played some tight games, uh, you know, and I've told the boys. I mean, we could very easily be four and one right now. We could obviously very easily be one and four after the game we just won with Scripps Ranch, um, you know. But here we are, at two and three. We've been battle tested, um, playing some tight games. Obviously, had the ball bounce against us a few times, and had the ball bounce our way once. Um, to win a tight game. So it's been one of those seasons, um, but I think it's just a testament to my players that they're battling. You know, we're still a pretty young team. Uh, I have 11 seniors um, on the squad, but we're playing, you know, a bunch of sophomores. I got guys starting, four starting sophomores on defense. Um, you know, Max Smith being one of them, kind of our our leader on the defense, uh, team captain. Um, he's also getting some carries at tailback and, and really just doing a good job for us. Um, Diego Solis is another sophomore that's starting at quarterback now for us. We had a quarterback injury a few weeks ago. Um, Diego stepped up to the plate. 
he's a super dynamic kid um, that can do a ton of stuff. I was just looking, he just posted his midseason highlight film and I was looking at it and he's got, you know, a, a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown, a receiving touchdown. He's got a pick six, some big special teams plays. So he's a, a dynamic guy that does a lot. Now he's settling in at quarterback for us. Um, so we're excited about him. Um, you know, and we, I mean, we got a good senior core. It's not a lot of them, but man, those guys are battling, um, you know, Gabe Solis being one that and I think most of the guys around the county have heard about. Um, he's got a couple Ivy League offers on the table. Great kid. Um, you know, another team captain that's really leading by example, you know, battling through some injuries, but hasn't missed, you know, hasn't missed a game or a beat playing both sides of the ball. Um, you know, so those are some guys that have obviously stepped up that people know about. There's a few unsung heroes that we have, you know, in the trenches that have been battling. I recruited a couple guys out to the team that were basketball guys, had played, you know, earlier in their career, freshman, sophomore years. Uh, Langston is one of them and Evan Brown. And, and those guys have really done a huge job for us um, playing linebacker, D end, you know, catching some touchdowns on offense. Um, you know, so we don't really have many superstars. We've got a lot of guys playing their roles and, and doing their job and getting better week in and week out. And that's all we can ask for. Real quick before I let you go, because I know you got uh, yeah. a prior engagement, but uh, let's yeah, talk no. about Morris. you got a big game against Morris coming up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They're 3-2. and two. they got a great player in Shamar Martin. Um, yeah. What have you seen on tape that Morse does really well that you guys need to prepare for? Yeah, no, I mean, they, they got speed as soon as you flip the film on and, and you, you watch, they got some talented guys um, with the ball in their hand. They play tough on defense, you know, a lot of man coverage. So, you know, our receivers got to step up to the challenge. I know they're excited for that. You know, they got guys that can cover, um, and they're, they're not shy about that. So that's going to present some challenges. You know, and then offensively, they, they run one of those offenses that, uh, you know, a lot of the same repetitive plays and formations, but they test you. And, and if you take a playoff or you're not sound in your assignments, I mean, they got guys that can go go the distance. So, um, you know, it's, it's always a challenge when you play teams like that because you can be playing great defense, you know, for nine straight plays. And then you got that one play where one guy misses an assignment and Shamar takes it 80 yards to the house. And that's what you see as soon as you turn on film watching more. So they present some challenges. I, I heard it's their homecoming, so I'm sure they're going to have a big crowd. Um, you know, they got some talented athletes, so it's going to be a fun one. But I know my boys are ready, and uh, not only a big league game for us, but also when you look at the Division Three kind of landscape, the playoffs, um, you know, a big game for them and for us. So we're excited for the challenge and ready to kick off league play. Coach Tyler Roach of La Jolla joining us today, uh, talking about his La Jolla Vikings. they got a big game against Morse, like we just said, tomorrow night at Morse. Uh, apparently it's their homecoming. Uh, it's going to be a big game. Go so check out La Jolla and Morse tomorrow. Coach Roach, thanks for joining me today. Good luck the rest of the way. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing and appreciate the time. Thanks again to all the coaches that joined me today. Hamamoto, Coach Ron Hamamoto, Rob Gilster, Tyler Roach, and uh, Ryan Price. All great coaches. All doing a great job at their schools. Um, and they got some pretty big games this weekend. Uh, let's, let's pick a couple games. We'll go to the top ten first. Starting off with Torrey Pines at Carlsbad. That's going to be that's kind of a trap game for them. Because Torrey Pines has Mission Hills coming up right after Carlsbad. I think Mission Hills is probably a little bit better than Carlsbad. We'll see when those two teams play. Carlsbad's kind of, they, they, they started off strong. They're flying under the radar now after a couple losses early. But that Carlsbad team is going to be ready to play. Coach Mack's going to have these guys ready to go. you got to look out for Asa Turner. He's going to be a stud. Avocado League play 
is going to be great football to watch. Uh, I, I still think Torrey Pines gets the win. I don't think they sleep on Carlsbad. Um, Coach Gladnick has his guys always firing on all cylinders and knowing what's going on uh, in terms of one step at a time because in, the, in that Avocado League, just like the Western League, and in pretty much any league play, if you take a week off, you're probably going to lose. I'm going to take Torrey Pines in that game. LaCosta Canyon at San Marcos. San Marcos is... Uh, He's got some injuries going on with their starting quarterback and their backup quarterback. LCC has, uh, you know, not – they're doing all right. They're doing a great job. But, uh, you know, they got some injuries as well that might affect them in, in some key spots. That being said, I think Lacoste Canyon has more uh, athletes. I think they're well-prepared. I think they're going to get the W this week. Cathedral Catholic versus Madison. I'm not going to pick this game, but this is going to be a great game. You're going to see a battle of two kids playing running back that are unbelievable to watch. Keenan Christian uh, is going to USC next year. He's a great running back. Sean Poma he is an unbelievable running back as well. Both of them have two different running styles. It's going to be a ground-and-pound game over at Cathedral Catholic this weekend. Helix at El Cap. El Cap coming off a very emotional win in the Tony Burner Memorial Cup over West Hills. Uh, they've played a really tough schedule. Helix is about getting ready to gear up and start ripping off a bunch of wins here. They're coming off a bye after beating St. Augustine uh, two weeks ago. Look for Helix to win in this game uh, pretty easily. Eastlake is on a bye this week after last week's game. Madison Cathedral Catholic, like I said earlier. St. Augustine Lincoln. This is going to be an interesting game with two defenses that are pretty studly. You got Don Chapman uh, leading the defense for the Lincoln Hornets. Uh, St. Augustine is had an unbelievable start to the year. They kind of faltered a little bit last week. They're four and one though. I, I look for Saints to, to to get the win here. But for Lincoln, this is this is crunch time for Lincoln now. They're playing the the meat of their schedule, the difficult opponents right now. We'll see what type of team Lincoln is over the next couple weeks. And if they if they rip off two or three wins in this Western League, you better look out in that in the lower divisions because Lincoln is going to be a a, a fierce uh fierce opponent to play against. Uh, after that, we got Lincoln again uh, playing Saints, like I just said. San Marcos at La Casa Canyon, already talked about it. And then Mission Hills ran up for top 10. They play Oceanside. Uh, this is another tester for, for Mission Hills. We're going to see just how good they are because they played a really difficult schedule earlier on in the season, all out-of-town games. They've done fairly well so far playing uh, a San Diego section team, so we'll see how they do against Oceanside. Oceanside's got a stud quarterback in Kyron Beecham, and it's going to be whether or not Mission Hills is able to slow him down in order to get the uh, in order to get the victory. Let's look at some other games in the county. Granite Hills at Steel Canyon. Steel Canyon coming off a great win against Mira Mesa last week. Uh, they're 12 in the county, according to Cal Preps. Granite Hills, 17 in the county. They're 5-0. and uh, Going to Steel Canyon, who's 4-1. Last time these two teams meet was 2017. Last year they met twice. Granite Hills won game one. Steel Canyon beat them in the playoffs 28-27 in a close one in the semifinal game. Uh, Steel Canyon leads the overall series 10-4. and I like Steel Canyon in this game. I think they played a dip more difficult uh, schedule than Granite Hills does. I think Steel Canyon gets their first win here in the Grossmont League uh, play. Uh, next game we want to pick, Vista at Poway. Vista's 4-1. They're number 14 in the county, according to Cal Preps. 24 
uh, in the county is Poway. They're forward two, coming off a big win against Grossmont. Vista's played a tough schedule too. Their only loss is the number two team in the county, Lacosta Canyon. Uh, they absolutely dismantled Mount Carmel uh, a couple weeks ago. They won like sixty-two to nothing or something absurd like that. I like Vista in this game. I know Poway's coming off a big win. I know Poway's played a more difficult schedule, but I think Vista has a little bit more athletes than Poway does. Give me the Panthers in this one. Sampa Squall at Ramona. Last time these two teams met was last year. Ramona won 34-7. Ramona's a different team they, this year than they are last year. Last year, undefeated going to the CIF championship game. This year, they've kind of struggled early in the games. They lost to Point Loma uh, in the season. They're, you know, they are 3-2. and two. This game's going to be at 7 o'clock. Big Valley League matchup. Uh, I'm going to go with Ramona in the home game over San Pasquale in this one. Mira Mesa at Christian. This is the first time these two teams will ever play each other. you got great coaching staffs on either side. Uh, great athletes at Mira Mesa and Christian. Christian's 5-0. and uh, They beat Monta Vista a couple weeks ago in an overtime game, which is really impressive. Uh, Mira Mesa, you know, they're 4-1. Their only loss is to Steel Canyon, which is a tough opponent. This one's a toss-up for me. I know Christian is ranked in the top 10 in Cal Preps, and they're pretty close in our poll as well as the Union Tribune's poll. I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with Mira Mesa. Uh, I think if Christian wins, it's a good win for them. Mira Mesa, to me, I think they have too many athletes, and I think they get the job done here as Eastern League play opens up. The last game I want to pick... Actually, I got two more. Classical Academy at Orange Glen. The battle for Escondido up there. You know, there's many battles for Escondido because there's tons of schools up there. Uh, but Cale Patterson, he's got 886 yards, 12 touchdowns. He's averaging 221 rushing yards a game. Unbelievable athlete for class or uh, for Orange Glen. They're off to uh, you know a great start. Uh, the Patriots are. Classical Academy's four and one. Orange Glen's four and one. Uh, 57 in the county, according to Cal Preps for Classical Academy. 67 in the county for Orange Glen. It's a tough matchup. Orange Glen leads the overall series 3-1. to one. Uh, Last year, Classical Academy got it done 35-14. I think Kill Patterson puts on a show, and I think that's why the Orange Glen Patriots move from 4-1 and one to 5-1 and one this week. Last game I'm going to pick. Out in the Imperial County, Brawley at Imperial. Big matchup out there. Big-time rivalry game. I'm rolling with Brawley in this one. I think it's going to be a great football game. That game's going to be at 7 o'clock. That's it for me. Great, great podcast today with Hamamoto and Gilster and Price and Roach. First time we got four coaches on. Can't wait for you guys to, to check this one out. And, and be sure to check out all our old podcasts with Coach. You know, we had Coach Hines from Coronado on, on a previous one. And, and uh Coach Doyle, Coach Owens, Coach uh, Rick Jackson. I mean, I, there's so many coaches that we've had, so many legendary coaches we've had on this podcast. You know, Coach Bannister at Chula Vista, Coach Dunn from Lincoln. Uh, so many guys that you got to go check out. If you haven't heard any of them, go go check out our, our SoundCloud page. Go check out our website. You can be able to check all those out. Be sure to check out our, our football podcast, Running Back You with uh, Noah Laxina. Guys are doing a great job with that. Uh, and then if you're into some volleyball, be sure to check out my volleyball podcast with me and Davis Ransom. We'll talk about girls volleyball. It's a big time thing here in the county. I know you guys like football, but you know the girls can play some volleyball just as well as the guys play football and represent San Diego just as well. Be sure to check out that uh, and any of the other videos we do with Christian Pedersen, Tommy Morris, Noah Lexina, and any of the guys that help us out here in the San Diego section. That'll do it for me, like I said. 
I'm Brain Supreme. You've been listening to Inside the Huddle Podcast, the Southern California Prep Center. We'll see you guys.